podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. We are on episode 71 today and we are going to continental Europe, to Holland no less, more specifically The Hague, to speak to the Dutch fighting machine, the sensei of chops, Kenzo Richards. Kenzo has wrestled across Europe for many, many years. He's very complimentary about the UK guys he's wrestled and the levels they can wrestle to. But I think Kenzo's modest. I think Kenzo is very, very modest about his career. He's done so much. We talk about his time with the Honky Tonk Man. The Honky Tonk Man used to come over for European tours. He stayed at Kenzo's house and it led to a divorce for Kenzo. And you'll get to hear about that and more today on Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's episode 71 with the Dutch fighting machine, the Sensei of Chops, Kenzo Richards. Enjoy. My guest all the way from The Hague in the Netherlands, my first continental guest actually because I've had UK guys, I've had American guys. It is... The Dutch fighting machine, also the sensei of chops, Mr. Kenzo Richards, all the way from the lovely Netherlands this evening on studio. Thank you very much. That's an introduction. Kenzo, how has it been in, in more in the lockdown times? That's what I want to ask first, more current times for you. Yeah, well, man, wrestling-wise, it's, it's, it's like a disaster, but... Oh, man, I love it because this is my life. Everybody stays away from me, you know. I, I have a beautiful place where I'm at. I have a big wall four meters high, so nobody can watch me seeing doing anything because I have, a li- I, I have a lot of privacy at my home and nobody's bothering me. So I have a really good time in, in the lockdown. Sorry to say, but it is. I, I really miss the wrestling. I miss the guys and girls from wrestling. But, man... The rest, the, 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 the piece, it, it's, it's great. Yeah, and my, and my body lost the rest now, so, yeah, I'm pretty okay. That's, that's good that you're positive. You know, I get a mixed, we get a mixed response from the guys we've had on about lockdown, but that's cool that you've yeah. it's been positive for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is, it is. I, I, I try to stay in shape because the gyms are open here, and I'm a physical education teacher, so... I can do my rolls and my drills. So I keep myself, I try to keep myself in shape for taking the bumps, taking the rolls, doing the drills. Because after the lockdown, when we have to do our thing again, I think that we don't have to underestimate the impact of uh, the cardio it takes because we're almost out for a year when the lockdown is going to stop. So I try to keep in shape. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. How's how's it been in the Hague? The, the, the case numbers and stuff like that. I like to ask you guys. Yeah, the, the Hague is very. It's pretty high. Like Rotterdam, the Hague, the big cities are are going up, but everybody stays the fuck out. Sorry to say that word, but everybody stays away from me. So um, I give the signal, like get get the hell out of me. Okay, get the hell out of my way give me some distance and it works perfect i don't go to the supermarkets i I just get everything delivered so i don't go to places man i love it i'm the winner (laughs) (laughs) right 
Kenzo, I'm going to go right back now to when you started <laughs> Origins of Wrestling Training, when you first began, when you first went to do it. That'd be cool, yeah. cool to ask you about that. Okay. No problem. Well, in 2001, they started to program the WWE in the Netherlands on television because they had it on air in 1985 till 1989. And then after that, they had nothing. Then they had late night, at midnight, maybe some WCW in 99. But that was it. So in 2001, they got back on a special channel in the Netherlands. And it was just at the time when WCW was going to quit, was shut down with, with the, um, what was the angle again? Like the invasion angle? Yeah, the invasion, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like the start of the internet and I was searching like, let's see if WWF still exists and, 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 and what WrestleMania. And I was like, wow, so many WrestleManias already. And then I was searching if there was some wrestling in Europe. And then I found that they had also in the Netherlands, but it was still very, yeah, how you call it, like the first years of wrestling in the, in the Netherlands. It was like not that kind of good level because, yeah, they were all just starting. So I wrote them an email, like, I'm Kenzo. Uh, I'm a judo teacher, former judo champion. I want to learn uh, to be a wrestler. And they, did, <laughs> they didn't respond. And it was in 2002 or something. And I was like, I, I, I just sent them a, a, a curriculum, like, mm -hmm. I'm this and that, this is my weight and stuff like that. And they didn't respond. So two weeks later, I emailed again, like, hello, I, I really want to train. And maybe it was like, they were not interested or something. And then three weeks later, I got an email back like, oh, yeah, sorry, we had a problem and uh, the mill didn't work and blah, blah, blah. So I did um, a, a first time lesson to see if, I would like it and if they would like me and uh, from the first moment I was like this is it because uh, the bumps and the rolls they were like so easy for me and I just had to learn to um, uh, to learn the basics of course uh, I, I did train for that two or three times a week for for one year full uh, high intensity and then I had to learn how to uh, do all the entertainment side of stuff uh, that was quite. That was yeah, the best thing there is. I, I don't. I don't know what to do uh, besides wrestling because it changed my life. It, it's 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 the best thing there is. Did it help yeah. having the judo background early on in the training? Did that help you? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, like the rolls and and and, and, and yeah. taking the bumps. It was so easy because I was not afraid to take a bump, and it was like oh. Yeah, this is it. It's it's like the rolls. It was easy. I never I've never done a, a bad roll or something. I'm a third degree black belt. I'm a teacher in judo, so it that kind of stuff was easy. But um, well, the thing is with judo, you always fall on, on your side, and with wrestling, you have to fall on your back, of course. So that was a little thing in the beginning. I was like, oh yeah, I have to take a flat bump, but that was. It was done in one month or something. It was it was easy. Yeah. Was there many training with you at the time in the early days? No, it was very small. It's it's still not really big in the Netherlands. We have some good. 
pretty good progresses in the Netherlands, but it's not like in the UK where you have schools on, a, on every corner. Mm. It's like uh, you have three federations in the Netherlands, and I think, I think they have two training schools. So it's not very big, but, but still, uh, I think the level is quite okay. And uh, yeah, we, the basics was like not training in the ring, maybe once a month or once in two months. We all did it on crash mats and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was very basic in the beginning. Yeah. When was your first match, Kenzo? What was the time uh, from training? I think into the I started. Yeah, I started in January two thousand three, and I think my first match was well, match well. I made part of of a show in two thousand three, and I think August, and my first match was like in November two thousand three. Yeah, I really don't want to see that match again. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody saying that, like, I don't want to see my first match again. So, well, I was excited, and I, I think we had no clue what what the hell we were doing, like doing moves and stuff like that. And nowadays, it's you don't think about that anymore. Like, you do that move, you do that move. You just do the whole thing. You you have to do right, making good story and, and make it exciting, exciting for for the audience. So. It was different. <laughs> when I was doing my research, Kenzo, is this true? You were trained by the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, yes. <laughs> please, please tell yeah, me how that was. I've got to ask you about that. I love the Honky yeah. Tonk Man. I love <laughs> Wayne Farris. Legend. <laughs> Have you met him before? Not, no, I haven't had the chance. And like, I've been over to the States many times for WrestleManias and gone to uh, uh, the uh, conventions and stuff. But I've never had the pleasure of meeting Wayne Farris. I'd love to. You have to meet him. Did, did you hate the Honky Tonk Man? No, I, I liked the Honky Tonk Man oh. when I was a kid. Yeah, I knew he was the heel, the bad guy, but I, I actually liked him. I had the figure. When I, when I was a kid, I hated him, and I'm, I'm happy I hated him, because when I, I've met him in real life, you have to hate him. <laughs> oh, man. I have, I, I have so many stories with this guy. Oh, my God. By well, in, in 2004, he... Um, he came to our show for the first time in the Netherlands, and uh, he's something else. He's 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 one thousand percent honest. You know, he's saying yeah, everything yeah. he wants, and it's like, oh my god, are you really saying this? Because when we took him on the road, we 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 went to Belgium, we went to Germany, we went to the UK with him in two thousand eight. He took me with him to a wrestle slam in manchester on, on old trafford it was like the ultimate warrior were there uh brett hitman hard uh, the road warrior animal beefcake kamala all those guys were there Janetti and the honky tonk man and he was like hey man you have to go with me because it will be fun so i was like okay cool but the thing is he was staying at my place for about two weeks or something Man, it, it almost got me into a divorcement. <laughs> oh my god. Why? In that time, Why, Kenzo? You gotta you gotta tell uh, me more about this. This guy at that moment, because he's cool now, because he he's getting older, he has his uh, his business fixed and but in those days he was drinking a lot 
And and when he drinks, it's not like when you drink a lot. It's like, oh my god, oh man, he was he was drinking a lot and like going to <laughs> going to the the place where they sell all all the, all the all the booze. And after after the first day, they were like, hey, hello, are you here again? And he was buying a lot of shit. He was drinking the whole day. I I can tell you stories, man. I. <laughs> I will tell you. So I, I've I've told this story before on, on a live stream, uh, but it's always good. Um, so I, the first time I've met him, it was in 2004. And when I was a kid, I really hated the Honky Tonk Man because he was the ultimate heel. And we were not smart; we were kids, and we were like, "This this guy is cheating." And um, from the moment he he wanted the belt from from Steamboat, we were all like. I hate this guy. And my dad was the Honky Tonk Man fan just, just to, to trigger me, you know. We're always fighting about it. So I always said, when I meet this guy one time in my life, I will beat him up. So <laughs> in 2004, when I became a wrestler, I had a match against him. He gave some seminars and we talked a lot about wrestling and do's and don'ts. But at that moment, when you really standing in the ring with him, you'll get fucking nervous, especially because you're only been in the ring for one year. So we we did a match, but yeah, it was 2004. It was the first and second time 2005. I, I, I arrested in 2005. He stayed for the second time at my place. And what was the thing? 2008 was the third time. That was the time when he was going berserk. It was the first time it was like we we brought him in like uh, a superstar and we invited people to have a drink and, and a food at one of the guys' house and we had a good time and he liked it. He, we thought he loves to talk. He, he wants to be the center of attention and talk about this and everybody asking him questions. So he liked that. So in 2008, when he came back and he was staying there for 10 days or two weeks, he was like, he was sitting in my living room on the, at the table and he was drinking, drinking, drinking. He said, hey, Kanzo, where's the party? Where's the party? Because he wanted to be the center of attention. And there was nobody in the house, only him and me and wife. And he was like, where's the party? Where's Marco? So Marco was the guy who had the party at his place the first time. I said, there's no party, man. I can call Marco. But he was drunk already. Like he was hanging on the table. I said, "Shall I uh, uh, order some pizza?" Yeah, pizza, pizza. So I ordered the pizza. Marco, I called Marco. I said, "Yo, yo, Honky's uh, my place. Come in." So he was there in fifteen minutes, and he was sitting at the table. And Honky was drunky, drunky tongue man. So he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was really sitting about like, yeah, yeah. So. After 15 minutes, Marco is sitting on the same table. It was me, Honky, Marco. And talking to him and didn't respond to that. Eh. Taking a bite of the pizza, and the cheese was hanging on his chin. So nowadays, when there's some cheese on the chin, wife says, come on, you look, you look like Honky. Rub, rub the cheese from your chin, right? So he's like, after 15 minutes, the guy is sitting 15 minutes next to him. He's like, Hey, Michael! <laughs> it was a fucking waste. So, where's the party? Where's the party? So, 
he had a lot of money. He, 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 took, he took the money. I think he had five grands in euros. He was like, for the party, for the party. 50 euro bills for the party, for the party. And he kept on going, I think. I was laying for about two and a half thousand euros. I was like, I don't want your money, man. I was like, put it back. And for the party, for the party. So I took the money, put it aside. And we decided to give it back the day after because he didn't want it. I don't want to have the money. So he was fucking drunk. The week before he told us like he had a bad hip because somebody tossed him over the top rope and he landed on his hip on the apron. So he had one big bruise spot on his hip. And every time he was showing it like, yeah, my hip hurts, yeah, my motherfucker. He, he didn't throw me, he toss me over the top rope and I fucked my hip, I can't walk. So he was w walking the whole week like an old guy. So. I said, well, Honky, maybe it's time to sleep. Yeah, I will sleep on the couch downstairs. I said, no. We have a room for you with a bed, stuff like that. And then he started like, I don't want to go upstairs. He was almost crying, but he was wasted. So I was like, and my wife was like, upstairs, not on the couch. So <laughs> we were like, Come on, honky, go upstairs. Ah, you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers. Ah. And he was walking like the old guy gimmick. So <laughs> he said, I just have to take a piss. <laughs> so he goes walking to my bathroom and he's like, whoa, he almost fell off the, off the, the, the stool because he was like drinking, drinking, drinking. And he was like, Marco, can you please help me? So Marco, the other guy, Kodiak, he's walking with him to the bathroom behind him. So I know you motherfucker, I don't need your help, you motherfucker. So he's, he's taking a piss and he was like, oh, he was losing his balance. Marco was pushing him like, uh, Come on, motherfucker, stay in balance. He was like, yeah, you motherfucker. And he was, he's taking the piss. And then he was like, <laughs> Cody said, what the fuck are you doing? You're pissing your pants. And he was like, no, you motherfucker, I don't piss my pants. What happened was his waistband, <laughs> he was pissing and talking like this. And his waistband was like, it was like on his dick. So he was pissing his own pants. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing is I didn't have piss my pants you motherfucker and then he sees that he's all the way oh fuck so we tried to push him upstairs up so he's taking the stairs and then you're like ah, I wanna go downstairs with no motherfucker take the stairs so we pushed him then he loses his balance and Cody, Cody tries to push him back and his hand was full on the spots, on the wet spots of the piss. <laughs> I was like, you motherfucker, you did piss your pants. My whole hand is wet. <laughs> so oh, my God. Beyond the call of yeah. duty, Kenzo. Man, it, 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 he had some bad days there. Uh, 
we went to Germany also. We had to take a stop in Germany at the, at the, the, the freeway. And he was taking a piss again. And um, he was taking one of the toilets. And then he came out of the toilet. He opened the door. And his pants were on his ankles. He was like walking naked through, through the bathroom. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like... At that moment, feeling ashamed, like what the what the hell was he doing? And every every time he was like walking like the old guy, and every every time that something happened, and like oh my god! Then we had to do the show. We had a tag match with him and Dusty Wolf. Dusty Wolf played during the clown, mm -hmm. and oh man, he was in the car. He was drinking, and we were like, we have to wrestle him in a tag match. Don't give him any more beer because he will he will be wasted. So. In the car, we said, it's done. He said, give me a beer. Every time he said, give me a beer. So we gave him a beer. And at the end, we we're like, no, uh, no more beer. The bar is closed. Bar is closed. You motherfucker. I don't talk to you anymore. So he was like doing this for one and a half hour. And, and, and talked to himself. Don't give me any beer anymore. Bar's closed. You motherfucker, dickhead. So he was sitting in the car for about one and a half hour. And then we came at the venue. And there was um, uh, Cannonball Grizzly. He was there. Um, PN News. PN he was PN there with yeah. yeah, with two crates of the large-sized beers. And Honky's like a like a sprinter. He's like at PN News taking two beers, one liters. He says, "Hey, Kenzo, bars open again." And we were like, "Oh my god!" Drinking, drinking. So we were quite green at the moment, like in the beginning of our career. And we were yeah, getting nervous because he didn't talk about the match. And we had like, oh, 30 minutes, right? And he was like, ah, oh, we do it later. Ah, oh, we do it later. Because he was talking with everybody, stories and shit. He was totally in the spotlight. And we were like, come on, honk, you have to make the match because we got nervous. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll do this. Blah, 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 blah. And he's talking. He's like in a, in a modus, like uh, professional, like bum, 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 bum. And we were like, what? That goes so fast. So he's making the match. And then the promoter comes and says, well, you're up now. He said, no. <laughs> Put on intermission. The promoter said, we are in intermission. <laughs> We just had information. Ah, you motherfucker. And he was like, eh. And we're like, this, this ain't be good, right? This, this is difficult. So he's walking there and we come in, punching the clown. And then they made the tag team match. His music hits, no honky. Oh, man. We were like, please come in. So his music hits, still no honky, still no honky. And we are just... Hammering the clown. <laughs> so, so, he comes in, totally fresh, hair slick back. And we're like, hmm? Like, he pushed in a button, like, I'm the Honky Talk Man and I can perform now. And we were like, and he steps into the ring and he says, ah, you didn't expect that, right? And we're like, no. <laughs> so, the clown was also sleeping the whole the whole afternoon, like and eh, drinking. So we were standing there with those guys, like, oh my god. 
So my tech partner says, well, maybe it's funny in the match to do something funny because you're a clown, right? What, what funny moves do you have? He was like, I don't know. So we were like, okay, we are fucked. So <laughs> the, thing, the thing was, my partner said, well, I'll drop down. And instead of jumping um, over me, you just walk like a clown with the, with the big boots uh, over my back instead of jumping over. He was like, okay, we can do that. So that was the start of the match. So he gives him the whip. He does do the drop down. And then the, the clown had to take the walk on the back. He puts on his boot on the back and he twisted his ankle. And he lays flat down, flat down on his stomach in the ring. It was like, it was the first segment. And I, I was standing on the edge like, oh my God, this, this, this really is a nightmare, right? Everything goes wrong. And the thing is, <laughs> because he was there for 10 days at my place, he went to one of my judo uh, sessions, my lessons, uh, because I'm a teacher. He, um, <laughs> he wanted to see the training and he was like, he was sitting like uh, the guy from Kill Bill with the mustache, the, the, old, the old Chinese guy, and Pan Bai or something. And he was sitting on the chair and like, hmm, almost like this, right? Hmm. I was like, <laughs> back in the car, he's, I said, uh, did you like it? Hmm, I have some uh, good plans. It's like the stuff you do is like the same stuff we did at the uh, Stuhart's Dungeon. Most exercises are pretty the same. I was like, okay. And it, 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 it is because Stuhart was trained by a Dutchman, uh, by uh, Blooming, John Blooming, uh, karate guy. So, I said, well, why did you like this? He said, well, I have a big plan, but I will tell you later. So the day before the disaster in Germany, we went to Belgium, and there he was, Dusty Wolf and the Honkato Man, uh, to get on the show. And after the show, he said, come on, guys, uh, I'll introduce you to Dusty because uh, we, uh, we wrestle him tomorrow. And he wanted to rip Dusty. So he said to Dusty, well, these are my friends from Amsterdam. He's a cop, and he's a judo champion just to make him nervous. I don't know why, but he was like, uh, those guys are, hard, are old school, uh, they work tough. And Dusty was like, okay, okay, okay. So the day after, we go to Germany. We are in the car. He was like, with the bar closed, before the bar was closed, he was like, I have a little one, a little one ripped because I saw you making the arm strangles and maybe it's funny when you um, put me in, in, the, in the lock. I'll wrestle out, I'll click him, and then I say, watch out, he's a shooter, he's a hooker, right? That was his fun. I was like, why should I do that? Yeah, oh, that's my rib to Dusty. I said, okay, okay, because I was, he will forget, right? He's drunk, he will forget. So we're making the match in Germany, and he's like, and then we had the match fixed. I was like, ah, glad. He forgot the, the segment. And then just before we went, I said, and we do the thingy with the arm lock, right? And I was like, oh, shit. I said, I don't want to do it because I respect the veterans, right? I can't, I can't put this guy in the arm lock. You're like, nah, you motherfucker, just do it. <laughs> so he was like, you do fucking do it. It's my joke. So we did the segment. I put Honky in the lock. I put, he tagged out. Dusty came in. And then... In the script, I had to make the tag to my partner, but I didn't tag out because 
the plan was I just grab him and just throw him down with a legit throw and then put him in the lock. So the clown is standing there with the fingers like shaking. He's like, get out. <laughs> it was like the, the, the doink mask. It was very ugly. Like, take out. I was like, no, take out. Please take out. I said, no. So I grabbed him and gave him a legit shooter throw and put him in the arm hook. And he was like, uh, it's not funny, but he was like, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> please don't hurt me. And then his tactic part of the honk dog man was like, ah, <laughs> you've been ripped. And he had the fun of his life. And I was like, I felt so bad. So after the match, they were happy. We were like, what the hell happened here? So <laughs> it was very, very different. But the honkertop man is a guy who have to meet. He sees something special, but don't let him in your house. <laughs> you were you were lumbered with him for two weeks. Oh my god! And your wife, I can see it from I can see it from that standpoint. The wife not being happy because I can imagine my wife not being happy with it. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> what did you What did you learn from Honky Tonk Man? What did you take away from Honky Tonk Man? Some of the advice oh. from him. That'd be cool uh, to ask you. Yeah. A lot, a lot of psychology. Like, yeah. do you want to? The thing he said, do you want to have a high spot? Yeah, you don't get any of them, right? Don't give them what they want. Like losing the title. You want to see me uh, making a, a, a shooting star? Okay, I'll go top rope, but I don't do it for you because I'm the one who decides, not you. And. Um, his strong thing is like, I don't take this, I don't take that, I don't take that. Like, I can hear her saying, I don't take power bombs, I don't take chops. And I was like, in the beginning, I was like, are you fucking prima donna? But then later, when you understand wrestling, it's like, yeah, he doesn't take power bombs because he wants to see where he's landing. So if you take a power bomb, you just hope it's, it's going to be okay. And when you're a professional, you have to do this multiple times a week just stay safe you, and especially in the independent scene you don't know the guys you know everybody thinks they're wrestlemania material but we don't so if, if, if you're you're an older guy in the business don't, it doesn't make sense to 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 to, to make a power bomb on the hunger man or chop the shit out of him it's, it's not respectful and the, the, no it's it's stupid and, and it, it takes courage to to say like um I don't take that because I feel by myself, for myself, if I take a power bomb, my head will be uh, for, for, for a couple of days, like what the hell happened here? Because after so many years taking bombs, the brain is like loose in the head or something. So you, you, you are more careful of, of taking stuff. And it, it, what he said was also very good. And it's not about fucking moves. Sometimes you take one bump or no bumps and the story is still good. Like he says, well, um, I did my song, guitar shot, show is over. Like he, he couldn't understand why there was a match after him. Like I sing my song, guitar shot. So what's going to top that? And he's pretty right with that. What, what, what can you do more than the guitar shop? Yeah. I think I think in his way he's right. 
That's cool, man. That's cool. Um, right, I'm going to ask you about trips to the UK. What have been some of your fondest memories over here when you've been wrestling? Uh, well, I'm, I'm never really nervous. We're doing shows or matches, never. But when you're in the UK, you're, you know, I went, how do I say that? Um, when, when you're in the Netherlands or somewhere else, I'm, I'm never like, um, I'm the worst guy on the card or something. But when you're in the UK, it's like, oh my God, this is a good guy. He's good. He's good. Everybody on the show is fucking awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, it no. is. It, but it is. They're all technical, almost perfect. Some guys like doing the, 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 the chain wrestling and stuff like that. It's like, oh my, I don't hope I have to wrestle Danny Collins, you know? That guy's amazing, but, but true. Yeah, this guy is still good. So I'm there with the rest lock, <laughs> and he's like, well, you know. So to me, it's always like I, it, it. It makes me. It makes me um, uh, sharp. Like be focused because uh, if if you're not, I'm always focused. But if I'm not focused, you will be the worst on this show. I will. Ne I, I never want to be, be the worst. I want to be. The, I want to make. A good match, people can have good laughs, talk about like, oh my god, this was intense. And um, I, I'm not the guy who wants to be the best on the card. I want to make a good match together with somebody else and, and, and give the crowd something special, like, wow, those chops are pretty real, right? Or oh, this guy can wrestle. And uh, it was like um, a lot of smart people in, in the crowds and um making them uh, think well wow well that was real so if if, if you can make that make, make that feeling and uh, for the people yeah, then it's a good show that's what i like but in the uk it's uh, it's cool but you have to work very hard for your spot <laughs> you've said about danny collins who else do you hold in high esteem on the uk circuit which guys there, there are a lot, a yeah. lot of good guys. We can, uh, I will forget too many good wrestlers. Mm -hmm. um, the most underestimated, underestimated wrestler in the UK, Joey Hayes. Excellent, excellent. This guy, we booked him from the start when I started. Um, uh, he was on our show with Damon Lee as the Young Offenders. But this guy made us better because this guy was better than us and about the psychology and stuff like that. I had some really good matches with Joey. None of the names are coming. Um, uh, Ricky McKenzie was his name. Gradwell, Sam Gradwell had some great matches with him. He's in NXT UK now. Mm -hmm. This but listen, this guy is good. He knows the business. It's trained by Marty Jones. Um, uh, but very down to earth, uh, outside, outside the ring. Very polite. Good physique. He's a real wrestler. This guy will deserve his spot. Um, what do you have more? Johnny Moss, one of my favorites. One of my favorite human beings. But in the ring, it's just, just business. Also, a guy I, 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 I love to wrestle, uh, cyanide, big guy. Yeah. 
man, he's agile for a big guy. So there are there are a lot of British guys I, I love working with, and I'm, I forget a lot of them because yeah. they also re, uh, earn my respect. But I've I, I, I've never been in the ring with a guy from the UK who was like, eh, there was a shitty match. Never had that. Never. Yeah, it's a, it's like it's like some religion for you guys, right? Wrestling. I, yeah, yeah, but true. I couldn't I couldn't do it, but a lot of guys, a lot of my friends who are non wrestling fans, that's easy. That is, I said you, I said you go in there, I said you run the ropes, you take the bumps, and you tell me it's easy. I said I, I yeah. couldn't do it. I hold my hands up. This is why I do the podcast. <laughs> this is more my thing, but I hate it when guys have no knowledge. And they'll look at yeah. it and say, that's easy. It, it's staged. It's this, that, and the other. And they don't get the art. They don't get the art form that it is. And it really annoys but, me. But we, we all uh, do the same with Robert Soccer players. Like, oh, I would score that goal, you motherfucker. You, you, are you fucking blind? Everybody's doing that in the stadium. But it's an art, right? The same for the wrestlers. So we're always complaining until we have to do it for ourselves. And then it's difficult. What would be your advice for young guys who are just starting out? I know there's not there's not many shows per se, like worldwide. Yeah. There isn't many shows going on, considering what shows you normally have under normal circumstances. What would be Kenzo's tips for these young guys that are starting out okay. training, maybe want to start training, haven't yet gone in gone into it? What would you What would be your tips, man? Um, put your ego aside and just listen and do what the other guys tell you. Like the other guys will already are a name or made a name for themselves the uk has a lot of good wrestlers trainers so just don't think i have an idea i want to be that guy with that and that move no use your ears listen watch ask don't say but ask because for me like when i heard honker talking in the beginning i was like yeah yeah maybe for you but Years later, I'm thinking the same. So it took it took a while. So everybody's doing in his in, in his early years stupid matches, um, ladder matches, uh, hardcore matches, blading stuff like that. <sighs> Be um, uh, you're only one body. It's your temple. Uh, treat it in a good way because. You, you ain't going to be a better wrestler because you're rolling through 1,000 thumbtacks, right? Just listen, watch, and ask. That, that, that's very important. And take a good trainer because yeah, there are a lot of schools and there are also a lot of good schools. Just invest in yourself. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Also, invest in yourself. Uh, invest in uh, proper training travel don't go for the cheap around the corner but travel to a good school and make a network because when you do seminars you will meet trainers you will meet wrestlers you'll meet promoters so a lot of those uh, seminars are booked just before a wrestling show travel let the promoter know you're traveling for six hours to be on his event to do the seminar and ask maybe is there maybe a spot or a battle royal i can compete in or yeah make yourself visible and the networking is maybe one of the most 
uh, valuable things uh, like uh, that people know who you are, uh, uh, make contact, make a good first impression. Don't be the wise guy. Just uh, don't say it's like that, but ask stuff. Ask stuff and again, listen and watch. That's it. It's so easy. That's, that's good. No people take away from that. I think also now in the UK, because there's so many schools now, when I... When I looked into it years ago, it was just like the, the school all-star in Birkenhead outside of Liverpool. Now, there's a lot, and as you say, it's picking the right school, isn't it? Because there's a lot of rogue trainers just trying to do it for that, aren't they? They're not actually teaching yes. you the fundamentals. So, sound advice, Kenzo. Absolutely. Just be careful who you're training with, isn't it? And who you're giving your money to. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, But the, the UK is quite big, right? So... I can understand you, you if, if you have to travel north to south or the other way. I can understand people don't uh, want to do that because it, it is traveling money. It's, it takes time. And, but if you really, really, really want to be a wrestler, just invest your time and your money in a good place with good connection because good connection have a good network. And there we are again at the circle around. Going to ask you now, Prior to getting into wrestling, when you were a fan of wrestling, who were some of your favourites? Who were some of the guys you gravitated to? When you watched it in 85 to 89, maybe, who were some of the guys, Kenzo, that you just loved watching? Who, yeah, who as, a kid, as a kid, you loved Hulk Hogan, right? But the real technical wrestlers I, I liked were Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, Ted DiBiase is the best guy who takes a good bump. Um, Steamboat I was sorry to say I was not, never really a, a Macho Man fan it was Why? like what, what, yeah. was it? what was it because about Macho Man that he didn't like he was, he was the heel and I didn't like him because the storylines may be that good and I was like I don't like that guy and it, it never disappeared again it's like the same with Bret Hart it's like when people talk about Bret Hart I see one half of the Hart Foundation it's like Brett, the little guy from the Hart Foundation. And that's stupid because <laughs> in those years, Brett Hart was a big superstar. It was not on television here. So I just see him as the Hart Foundation. Oh, Now we can see him different, but when I was growing up, it was, oh, the guy of the Hart Foundation, yeah. Kenzo, he, he's still my favorite of all time. Obviously, we, we, still, we still got it in the UK, the time when it wasn't being shown over there. But really? I didn't have Sky TV for years, man. It was a guy who my dad. He used to tape it for me on VHS or I'd go to my cousin's house. But by hook or by crook, I was watching it in the early 90s, getting my... Well, f- I have good news for Bret Hart, you know? You know why? Go on. A lot of people say I look like Bret Hart, so that's <laughs> good news for him. <laughs> and the shades. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what, what about matches in that era Can you, is there some matches that still stand out today that still hold up today in the modern times of wrestling because I, I, I've got a lot that still hold up it's not surprising but the Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat is the yeah. best for, to me the best match ever because the atmosphere and the story was so strong um, that whole Wrestlemania was great Wrestlemania 3 is one of my favourites and, well, I think everything with Kurt Angle in it is good. But 
maybe the no 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 Ricky Steamboat was the best against Macho Man. That's the best best match ever. Yeah. Did you manage to watch that when it when it happened in Holland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw it live on Sky Channel. Yeah, I was oh, born. That's cool, man, that you got to see that in 87, yeah. 98. I was only one. <laughs> well, it was the 1987 WrestleMania 3. Yeah. And I was like sitting there on the couch. My parents were on vacation and my uncle was sitting there with my aunt. And was like, yeah, it's better. I'm like, no, it's no better. I'm on Red Giant versus Hulk Hogan. So I stayed up. But I was like, that Macho Man match. I was so happy you lost that belt. And as a kid, you're, I was totally in it. It was real. And, and after that, Andre against Hogan, it was the best WrestleMania. I said, when you're a kid, it's like, it's magic. It's, that's, that, that's the thing I always remembered. Like, when you're in the ring, you have to make it something special because there are kids there and they believe it. So just work your ass off so they still believe it. I was at, um, I was at Wembley Stadium for SummerSlam 92. So I got to see, I got to see Brett, Brett and Bulldog. Dad took me. So we came from North Wales down on the bus, man. But I, I was there at six years old, man. I wish I, in a lot of ways, I wish I was a bit older to appreciate it. I appreciated it. Yeah. But I think I was a little too young. Things, I can remember like Lennox Lewis coming out with the Union Jack, Undertaker, Undertaker and Kamala. So well done when he came out on, on the hearse and all that. I, I yeah, that was a pretty it. good show. Was it eighty thousand or something? Oh, mate, it was. It was just, and then just the whole the whole day. I, little bits I can remember. I wish I was a little bit older. I say that to everyone, but I was there, so you can't. I can't complain. Yeah, I, I, I want to say, don't be a complainer. You were there, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always put a negative on stuff, Kenzo, when I shouldn't put a negative yeah, yeah, on yeah. it. But it, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. What about modern wrestling now? Do you, do you see much of it on television or do you steer nope. clear of it? I stay away from it. I don't know. I, pff, no time, no interest. I, I, I don't know. I appreciate those guys, their work. But I've no time for it, and, and I've, I don't know where to search it. So sorry for that. You need to. You need to see. Um, you need to watch Walter and yeah. Isla, Isla Dragunov. I heard. I heard it. He has some pretty chops. Also, I heard. Yeah. You need to get. <laughs> you need to get in there with him. Have a chop off. Yeah. Well, he has a different style. He gives him the sideways, right? Yeah. He was he was hitting Dragonoff in that corner, and Dragonoff he, he's not as big as him, but he's well defined. And Dragonoff yeah. can go, man. And I think in, into the future he'll be NXT UK champion because he's he, he's a star. You can see the star quality in him, you know. And he, on the independence prior to getting signed with WWE, you could tell a mile off. He is yeah. he, he's going to be a big character. Is he, he, you can just see it, but it's yeah, where they're going to take I, him. I, I, I hope for the guys the the, the lockdown will be uh, shut down and, and have a normal a normal way of living again because whew, those are hard times because a lot of guys lost their work and I hope in 2021 everybody's uh, on the on the old spot again because it takes a lot of time now. It, it's all well and good, you know, like them, them filming them episodes at BT Studios in London, but there's no. You appreciate what they're doing, but no fans. It's just hard. No. It's so hard, isn't it? And I can imagine you can see it from a performance. It's like the, 
it's, it's the whole atmosphere is gone. And they're talking to who? Because they're talking to the audience who isn't sitting there. So it's difficult. It's difficult for those guys. And just hope for them that they get the normal job back, like perform for an audience. Kenzo, where can we find you on social media so you can let the viewers and listeners know? All right. Uh, on Facebook, it's Kenzo Richards. Uh, that's, that's coincidence. That's my name. And... On Instagram, it's the real Kenzo Richards. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. Nice and concise. Yeah, next time, if you want, we'll do some other great stories about other, uh, about other guys because I have a load of stories and <laughs> not I, everybody's I, happy with it when I, I tell I, them, but I will do. I will, have you, I will have you back on in the new year now because I've got content till january i've recorded cool. but i want definitely i want to hear about other guys within the industry man because you can't be cool. you've been on them roads you've been on them roads and you've met some of the guys man that some you know huge huge stars and definitely my guest i've got to read this again <laughs> the dutch fighting machine the sensei <laughs> of chops all the way from the hague probably my second favorite person from the hague i like raymond van barneveld <laughs> Oh man, this, uh, he lives around my corner. He lives, he lives, uh, I think, 200 meters from me. Is it is for it real? Is it... Yeah, he lives in the same. You need, to throw, you need to throw some darts with him, Kenzo. Needs to give him a map. Well, this guy is so depressed. I, I, I can't understand people will lose against him because, like, the last five years, he, he ain't throwing any darts anymore because he's like, but that's a different story. Yes. <laughs> I had to bring him up just because of the link with The Hague. <laughs> but that's the thing. I'm your favorite guy from The Hague because from Barnacle is not so great, man. <laughs> I've met you. I haven't met him. So, yeah. Yeah, you're back. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. You're number one. You're number one. He's gone down. He's gone down. So, I meet him. But I'll take your word for it on that one. My guest all the way from The Hague is Kenzo Richards. This episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Powered 4 TV. So find them across social media. Sports Social Podcast Network.